When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of Big Drive Energy, we have the King of Denver, Vic Lombardi, join us to talk about the great win from Wyndham Clark this past weekend at the U.S. Open, which he attended on Sunday, as well as the Nuggets championship run, how his liver is doing, and how his golf game is currently sitting due to the fact that he hasn't been able to play because he's been working a Nuggets championship run. And of course, we are brought to you by our great friends over at Pins and Aces. They're a Colorado brand, but they are national. They are worldwide. They have the best ball markers, the best hats, joggers, polos, golf bags, anything you want for your golf game, you name it, Pins and Aces has got it. If you're listening to this right now on Wednesday, they have dropped their South Park collection. So make sure you head over to pinsandaces.com. Check that out. They got the great ball markers, the head covers, the hats. Uh, Towley makes a great appearance in there, and they've got it all for you. And if you use the code BDE, it'll save you 15% off your entire order plus free shipping. So head on over to pinsandaces.com. Check out the liquor stick. Check out the beer sleeve. It's essentials for your golf game. You look the best, you play the best. That's pinsandaces.com, promo code BDE. All right, let's tee it up. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... Screen mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> we are live with none other than Mr. Vic Lombardi, the man right there in the photo, uh, in front of Mike Malone and in front of the entire state of Denver or the entire state of Colorado. Wow. The city of Denver, nice state geography of to start the show, Spence. Let's start fifth grade all over again. We're, we're terrible at geography. It's, it's a running joke at this point. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a bit at this point. So, um, Vic, welcome. Uh, I don't know how your liver and your body are doing it, but, uh, we're just glad you haven't retired yet. That's the one thing that we're uh, super stoked about. Cause I, I, I thought it was going to happen. Every time I try to retire, man, I got another kid that needs to go to college. I got, it's, it's, I just can't afford it. I mean, it's, I, I would have retired years ago if I didn't have any kids. If you didn't have one living in LA. Oh, that's, that's not cheap either, man. <laughs> Those LA kids, they, uh, they, they go through money real fast. I, I can only imagine what that, uh, what that looks like. 
So what was the, the end of this, this Nuggets season like for you? This is a golf podcast, but obviously we're, we're diehard Nuggets fans. We have our tattoos scheduled uh, for this weekend, uh, championship tattoos, which we promised each other we'd get every time our team wins a championship. So that's on the horizon. What was that, that run like? And what was the moment like that you knew, like, I cried. I was in ball arena at game five, and I cried, sat in my seat for about 20 minutes. What did that feel like for you? First of all, some guy named Jorge Alfaro just hit a home run for the Rockies. I've never heard of Jorge Alfaro, but he just went faro with that shot. <laughs> I, every uh, night they put a new dude in the roster that I've never heard of, so I'm not surprised anymore. Wow. Okay. Uh, the last the last month has been insane, guys. I mean, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. It's It's been one of those months that you'll never forget. It's been – oh, my wife just walked in. Sorry, I'm doing a show. Oh, yeah. to go? No, you can stay here and listen. You learn a lot about what I've experienced the last month. I know want. what you've experienced. Yeah, the boys are asking me how it's been the last month. Hi, Terry. Yeah, they, they, they said hello. Hi, guys. Yeah, she's another reason I can't retire. Um, Damn right. Yeah. Anyway, it's just been insane because you got to understand something. I, I never. Are oh, you going to have. These dogs got to go. <laughs> Sorry, boys. No sweat. Say hi, Terry. All right. Take those mutts. Appreciate it. Um, it's been nuts. It's been nuts because uh, the way they just kept climbing the ladder, right? Climb the ladder, get through Minnesota. Okay. Then Phoenix was choppy. Like, oh, God, it was 2-2. Game five was so big. Then you get to L.A., and what they did against the Lakers was downright remarkable, um, memorable. And I believe deep down when I look back at this series, I wish I could write a book. I'm too lazy to write a book. But if I were to write a book on the Nuggets playoff run, I would tell you right now that the uh, NBA championships was won after they swept the Lakers, that it didn't matter who they played in the finals. Honestly, I believe that. Whether it was Boston or Miami, the Denver Nuggets, after sweeping the Lakers the way they did, they were sky high in confidence. They could do no wrong, and it was only a matter of what team they were going to beat at that point. So that's what I think of of the NBA run. I think the championship was won in L.A., uh, and the finals were just sort of like a, a festive two weeks to party. Uh, yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. Well, so obviously with the Avs having their run last year and then the Nuggets this year, have you and Mosier kind of compared a little bit of – what the Avs run was like last year versus the Nuggets run this year, because you, you look at their run and the blues in the second round gave them the biggest headache probably. And then same with the Nuggets with the Suns, and then they get to the finals and it almost feels like a, I wouldn't say the lightning and, and heat were that comparable across the board, but overall, I mean, there was a lot of similarities. I mean, it's almost insane how many similarities there were. It's like crazy. Both teams went 16 and four. Both teams swept the Western Conference Finals. Both teams had a tough second-round matchup. It's nuts, really, how they compared, relatively speaking, in that postseason run. And here they are, both teams in back-to-back years, having parades. So um, imagine you're a kid in Denver and, you know, you're three, four years old. All you know is championships, man. That's all you expect at this point. And we have every team that's won one now except the Rockies. Maybe Jorge Alfaro can lead him to one real soon here. But uh, the fact that the Nuggets did it, I mean this with all sincerity, guys. 
and and there will come a day when I care again. But right now, this summer, I don't care about the future. I don't care about what happens next year. I don't care. The Nuggets are NBA champs, and that's all I care about. Yeah, same with us, man. And it's so funny because no one uh, encompasses Nug life or has lived Nug life more than you. I did see somebody respond to your, one of your tweets and said, I've been to more Nuggets games than you. And that that was one of the funniest things. I actually laughed out loud at something like that because you've been going since McNichols, since yeah. the whole time. And, and even during that run, uh, Mitchell and I were down in Cedar Ridge, Oklahoma for the Live Tour event, and we're watching game six uh, – in Phoenix of the Sun Series, and I'm like sweating bullets, and we're up thirty in the third and the fourth. Isn't that quarter. crazy? Isn't that? I was the same way, bro. It didn't matter how much they were leading by. I'm like, oh. And then to watch that final game, right? The fourth quarter was a wrestling match. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't start stabbing each other. They weren't calling anything. They weren't calling a damn thing in the fourth quarter, except for when Jimmy Butler knocked. Um, Aaron Gordon and the Paulinas, and then Gordon gets the foul for it. Uh, they weren't calling a damn thing. So to watch those games, when you're in, in playoff mode, it makes everything else seem meaningless. And I'm not going to lie to you, watching a Nuggets game now in October will be like, yeah, all right, let's go. Let's get, let's get, to, the, let's get to the playoffs. It's, it's hard, right? It's hard to generate that enthusiasm. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt about the Avs this season. I was like, yeah. all right, let's, you know, October, November, some of these games are fun. You know, you got the Friday night games or the big matchups or rivalries. But other than that, it's like, okay, let's go uh, get, you know, get us to get us to the playoffs. It's like the, you know, the Broncos runs when Peyton was here. It's like, all right, these are, these are merely just, you know, window dressing. We know when this really matters, but so going on to the parade, it sounds like you had to do some fill in duty, but you also got to speak. Uh, and and relinquish one of the greatest quotes of of all time Denver history. How many? Uh, how did you go through all your DMs after that? How crazy were uh, were the DMs and the and yeah. you're, you're national? I mean, you, we always yeah. knew you're national, but now you're national. That wasn't my intention, Spence. I mean, I, I I wasn't trying to do. I didn't think it was that big a deal. I remember sitting in front of my computer the night before because I was told, "Hey, you're going to introduce Coach Malone and keep it to a minute." And I know how these parades work, right? Because a minute, man, that's just a few words because the crowd's always cheering. So I said, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? And, and then I said, okay, I'm going to write about, you know, you know, take that L on the way out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something about how it's, it's the eight-year anniversary of when he was hired. I got a lot of things I'm going to say. And then the, the daddy thing, the one about the Lakers daddy, that sort of came to me that morning. I was like, you know what? It, it, we were talking on the radio that morning, and like I told you guys, I thought that the Nuggets won the championship when they beat the Lakers. And I had, I, you know what I was most surprised about? And this really made me sad, to be honest with you, is how many Nuggets fans that I got feedback from on Twitter, all over really. Um, Twitter, Reddit killed me. They said how cringeworthy that comment was. And I thought about it, I was like, What's cringy about saying that? Um, it may have been a little over the top, but it's all in fun. You're celebrating, right? This is the Nuggets' first championship. It's taken our entire lifetimes to see this. And if you really understand Nug life and you understand where this team has come from, you also understand that the Lakers have been in their way every step of the way. They've denied them in the Western Finals three different times. They've always been... Um, you know, Darth Vader 
to the Nuggets, Luke Skywalker, all the time. And so to finally beat that team and to do it on the way to your first championship, yeah. Yeah, was I rubbing it in a little bit? You're damn right I was. And I don't give a shit. So when people say, um, oh, that was, you know, that's a, a terrible dad joke or you should focus on the Nuggets championship. Of course I'm focused on the Nuggets championship. But you know what? The, the Lakers gave us, as Nuggets fans, a ton of pain over the years. A ton. Going home with a ton of pain. Enjoy that pain. Eat it. 100% agree with you. I mean, I even had, <clears throat> I reached out to a buddy who's a Lakers fan, and he was like, oh, enjoy your one. We still have 30. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, I don't yeah. care. Fine. You're a better yeah. franchise. You've won more championships. I get it. I don't care about the Lakers fans going off. I expected that. I expected Lakers fans to be angry. Why wouldn't they? It's the Nuggets fans who were disappointed. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't trust you as fans. If you don't understand the hatred toward the Lakers, if you don't get it, what, what are you? You, you don't get what, what this history is. Yeah, I mean, it's beating the Lakers was the most important thing in that playoff run. It was more important than beating Miami. It was the most important thing ever. You swept yeah. their asses. That was yeah. huge. Yeah, I, I would say it was a, a bigger deal to beat the Lakers in the conference finals than it was to win the finals, even though obviously that's the cherry on top. But beating the Lakers, and, and the other thing too is, is everybody's like, act like you've been there. It's like, well, we haven't. So. You haven't been there. Yeah. You know, so, you know, like, hey, you know, why don't you focus on your own team? Well, I am focusing on my own team. But let me ask you guys, if I had said the comment, if I had said, Michael Malone is Miami's daddy, Nobody would have gave a shit, right? If I had said, Michael Malone is the Minnesota Timberwolves' daddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you say Lakers, and it takes a different tone, does it not? That's when ESPN suddenly gets, oh, he said Lakers. That's when everybody gets, it, they, they, they pay attention. Because the Lakers are their, you know, that's their, their pet poodle at ESPN. Uh, so you can't damage those goods. And I don't, I, I did say, God, I, I wonder if they're upset with me, and I, I sent Coach Malone a text shortly after, and I said, man, I, I hope I didn't step on your toes. And he was like, no, man, that was awesome. And he was like, he was into it too. Everybody, it's all in fun. Next year, uh, you're going to play the Lakers again. That's all in the past. It doesn't matter. Oh, they're going to have some extra motivation now. If they, take, if, if they require motivation from an elderly sportscaster in Denver, they got other issues. <laughs> Yeah, you uh, you definitely scratch the right itch there, and there's I don't think there's anything better than getting under Lakers fans' skin because it's it's Yankees, it's Lakers, it's you know Duke, it's sure you you sure. name it. It's uh, it's, it's just Notre whatever. Dame. Listen, I went to Notre Dame. If people beat Notre Dame, they let you hear about it. It was yeah. everything for them, and I get it. I I totally do. Congratulations, and that's all you should all you should be able to hear from Laker fans is. Congratulations for LeBron to go on Instagram. And I don't know what he was peeved about. Come on, man. Chill out, dude. How into yourself are you? I mean, you say you're the son. Give me a break. Yeah. That talk about some cringy shit. You literally go on Instagram and call yourself like the, the thing that everything Whatever. else gets around. Um, but speaking of coach Malone, uh, everybody seemed to just now identify his personality at the parade and in the celebration, but I mean, you've spent a lot of time with him these last eight years. Uh, just how cool of a dude is he? Like, he just seems like a guy that 
you could go out on the golf course and drink. You could go to the bar with. You could do just about any anything with. He just seems like a guy's guy. Well, you can go to the bar with him. He doesn't play golf. In fact, he's he, he self admits he's very bad at golf. He's just he. You know, there's two Michael Malones. There's the coach who is really wired tight. I mean, he is just into it all the time. He's the Michael Malone. Team's up 25 with two minutes left. And he still has his starters on the floor, right? There's that Michael Malone. And then there's Michael Malone, who at the parade just let it all hang loose and is just a good dude. And I I said on my radio show today, anybody who criticizes the Nuggets for anything, right? They went 16-4 and four in the playoffs. They won the first NBA title. There is no room for criticism. Every button he pushed was the right button. Oh, well, he could have done this differently. No, no. It was the right button. They went 16-4 and four in the playoffs. Oh, well, he could have managed MPJ better. No, no. Because MPJ played his ass off when he wasn't making jumpers in that final game. That tells me that he grew as a player. Well, maybe he could have used this guy up. No, no. I don't want to hear anything. If you were anti-Malone, he pushed every button correctly on the way to that title. Give him his flowers for that. Yeah, he had an incredible run and and playing Christian Brown at the right times and letting yes. him be a top five in the MVP ladder of a finals just because of how well he played. And, you know, Malone's always always had criticisms and everybody always loves to blame everything on the well, coach. That's the way but- it works for every coach, Spencer, right? Every coach catches blame first. Oh, 100%. And, and it's, oh, Malone leaves guys in too long or takes guys out when they're hot. And I think, you know, like you said, pushing every right button, but he did such a good job of just letting guys be on the court. And Christian Brown played a lot more minutes than MPJ in, I think, game four or five or one of the games where he was hot and just let him let him be hot. And then MPJ came back in and they're like, oh, take him out. He's one for 12. No, he's yeah. cutting to the bucket. He's making dunks. He's rebounding the ball. He, he, he didn't miss. Michael Malone did not miss for basically four straight series, essentially. No, I mean, and, and you could also say, how many times has he had a healthy roster? You know, knock on wood, the Nuggets are healthy, all right? If Jamal Murray doesn't tear his, his ACL, and if Michael Porter Jr. doesn't injure his back again, could we be talking about maybe two championships by now? I don't know. That's pure conjecture and speculation. But you give me a healthy Nuggets team, and I think you're going to see a team that's going to contend every year. That's... Um, how much chemistry they have, how close they are, uh, genuinely like each other. The difference between the Nuggets and a lot of these other squads, some of these teams don't like each other. Someone said, well, you know, Utah was close a couple of years ago. Well, guess what? Gobert and Donovan Mitchell hated each other, and it showed. These dudes like each other. They respect each other. And um, the product on the court showed you how much they respect each other. Yeah, well, and the front office did a phenomenal job of finding guys that we everybody was like, why are you getting rid of Bones Highland? Oh, my God. And they brought in guys that they 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 brought in culture guys. And Bruce Brown was a culture guy from day one. So was KCP. They brought in Aaron Gordon a couple of years ago. He fit perfectly with Nicola and Jamal. Like, like you said, it's, yeah. it, you know, the NBA is managing, uh, you know, egos as one of the biggest jobs as a coach. And, and I think the, the Nuggets as, as an entire team don't have the ego as as big as some of the guy that the guy that calls himself the sun um, <laughs> as a collective it's insane uh so going back to just the entire run pick one moment for us being a denver native uh and growing up here and watching the nuggets as many times as you did pick one moment where you're just like this is the coolest thing ever what was your favorite moment of that entire run game one nba finals when uh we're doing the post game show 
right in the atrium there on the way out. And the fans were coming down the escalators and the stairs. And it was mayhem. It was so loud. It was so crazy. They're cheering. They're just, you know, yes. And, I, and I'm looking up there and I'm going, oh, my God. The Nuggets are in the NBA Finals, and these fans are cheering an NBA Finals win. And then the other time I had to pinch myself was when I walked in for game one. And remember they had those uh, gold T-shirts out on all the seats? Mm-hmm. And I saw the uh, the arena, ball arena, all dressed up in that gold, and I was like, wow, this is crazy, man. I mean, it's just crazy stuff. So there's so many moments, but those are two of them. Uh, beating the Lakers, that, that plane ride back from – from LA, I can't give you all the details, but let me tell you this. It was one of the more entertaining plane rides I've ever been on in my life. Um, the players were into it, and um, the party did not stop for a long time. Oh, man, I, I would pay good money to be a, a fly on the wall in, in that plane. Um, so I'm going to ask you one more Nuggets question before we get to golf. Sure. Was there... There had to have been a moment. We know, we all know it. Nug life. What was the one moment you'd say your blood pressure spiked a little bit during the entirety of the playoffs? Uh, the Matt Ishbia situation in Phoenix really sort of pissed me off uh, because we all know Nikola Jokic and what he was trying to do. He was trying to get a fast break going, a little five on four. Because um, I think it, who was it? Somebody for Phoenix was stuck in the stands and. And Nicola was just trying to grab the ball. And the owner wouldn't give him the ball. And Ishbia knew exactly what he was doing. He was going to hold on to that ball because he saw the advantage coming. And Nicola gets, you know, he gets fined for that. And I sat there going, that is just so not cool. If it's any other person but the owner, if it's Joe Schmo or some dude, that never ha- that dude gets in trouble. Whoever it is gets in trouble. It's not going to be the player. It's the fan for slowing down the game. So that sort of, that, that pissed me off, to be honest with you. And that was one of those moments where I think as a team, the Nuggets, they actually benefited from that because they got pissed. And the good thing to do when you lose a game like that, that, you know, other elements come into play, they got ticked off about it. Yeah, yeah that was it. absolutely beautiful, a beautiful moment for the city of Denver, especially after, you know, much a much different thing than that's happened than the Lakers beating us 10 times over the last yeah. whoever years. But a couple of years ago, you know, sons and four guy that felt really good to to stick it to them after that scenario. No doubt. Um, all right, let's, let's turn the wheels on some golf because that's what the entire world in Denver is doing. Now we're, we were all sure. in on the nuggets. We're all hanging out um, and, and watching every nuggets game and worrying about the nuggets. And now we're, now we're into golf mode. And it was funny when we were, when I was texting you the other day, trying to schedule this, I was like, well, shit, we got golf Wednesday. You're like, ah, I got golf today. Um, so what's the state of your golf game right now? I'm imagining that today, uh, today's round was one of your first in, in a, in a while. I couldn't score. I hit the ball. Okay. But I just couldn't score. And, uh, it's just frustrating, you know, watching the pros. Cause I went to the U S open on Sunday and I'm watching them hit. And one thing I, I gleaned from just watching them very closely is how within themselves they stay when they hit the ball. They're not teetering. They're not leaning. They're not shifting their weight. They're not trying to add extra power. It's all just that pendulum. You, you guys know. It's the pendulum. And they're just working their bodies to that pendulum. So I tried to focus on that today. And sometimes I did it too much and miss hit the ball. But I'm just not where I was a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, when we were in COVID, I played every damn day. 
and my game was really good. And this year, I just haven't been able to get out, and my game is not as good as it used to be. So um, when we have that match, Spencer, when you're playing with uh, Ryan, is that going to happen? That's going to well, happen. I'm, yeah, I'm Ryan, ready. Ryan had to go recruit a pro, that pansy. Um, so when we have that match, you're not going to get the best of me unless I, I get in the lab. I got to work on my game a little bit. Hey, I think we'll uh, give you a pass for what you've been doing for the last few months. And I think you would take that trade out. Uh, 10 times. 10. Yeah. yeah. I, I think if you never played golf again until middle of June, you'd be okay with it. You um, know, I didn't have any urge to play during that playoff run. I was too nervous. I was too anxious. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I can't play golf right now. No chance. Yeah. No, it, I mean, when you're in the midst of something like that, you, you're kind of locked in on that and solely that, but so you said, you mentioned you went to the U S open Sunday. Um, give us your general thoughts. Uh, I think we made it pretty well known. You probably didn't see it, but we kind of hated it. If we're being real honest, uh, there were some aspects we liked, obviously Wyndham winning was awesome, but yeah. Um, what, what was your overall takeaway after going and actually seeing it live? It was hard to watch as a fan. Um, getting around that course isn't easy, first of all, because there's a lot of elevation change. And the reason why it's hard to watch is they closed off a lot of sections where fans would normally be able to stand and watch. You know, they like the four and five fairways, they wouldn't even let anybody in there because they there was a lot of cross crossing and they didn't want fans getting in the way of the ball. So it was hard to watch. The crowds um, didn't have those standing room areas where they can get pace of play. You know, I, if you guys, you guys have been to golf tournaments before, it's hard to know what's going on when you're there live. You don't know. You just hear the roar of the crowd. So that always frustrates me a little bit. And the worst thing, you got the app. You have the USG app, and I'm thinking, okay, it's all right. I'll follow along on my USGA app. Terrible. The the web. I had no internet. the The internet wouldn't work. I mean, it was it was horrible coverage. So that didn't work. My phone didn't work. My legs weren't working. I'm a short man. I couldn't see over the crowds. Um. Other than that, I you know I got to go to the U.S. Open, so I don't want to sound like I'm complaining about going to the U.S. Open. First time I've ever been, and we got to see a Denver kid win it. You know, one thing that happened that really freaked me out, I've never seen this happen at a pro golf tournament. We're sitting there on number, which which hole was it, eight or nine, where Wyndham whiffed on that one shot out of the junk? That was eight, eight, the par five, okay. yep. Yeah, so we're, we're actually on the fairway parallel to him, my son and I. And we're watching that. So he whiffs. And next thing you know, a bunch of fans, because they're all rooting for Ricky Fowler. They like start cheering. They're like, yeah, come on, Ricky. And I was just toward it. I was taken aback by that. Because, you know, this ain't the Ryder Cup. You're not supposed to cheer when a guy mishits a ball. You know, it's just, it, it wasn't like the, at the Masters, you'd get a groan like, oh. But with this, you got, yeah, go Ricky. And I was like, man, that's cold-blooded. So I was so happy to see Wyndham come back from that. I think the shot of the tournament actually, or the the hole of the tournament was that hole. He could have thrown a, he could have thrown a, a double bogey or a triple on that hole, and he managed to get out of there with a bogey. Yeah, his short game was just unflappable all week. Yeah. And and you, speaking to what you just said, I think it, from a fe- a pure golf fan's perspective, Wyndham Clark may have been going against the two 
biggest darlings of the PGA tour from the last decade to 15 years between Ricky Fowler and Rory McIlroy. I mean, if you're just a a casual golf fan, you know, those two names, whether or not Ricky's been good for years is kind of irrelevant, but yeah, I, I, you could kind of feel that Wyndham was the guy that no one was really cheering for there, except for, you know, us that like, uh, on our live show after the end of the uh, tournament, one of our buddies went to high school right next to Scotty Scheffler and got his ass kicked by Scotty Scheffler for four straight years. And then we got our ass kicked by Wyndham Clark for four straight years. I think Mitchell has six or seven uh, second place finishes where Wyndham got first wow. in, in high school. Um, and so he, you know, he whooped our ass and our, our buddy said, welcome to the club of being getting your ass kicked for four years by a major winner. I was going to say, at least you lost to a guy that's won a major and didn't lose to some scrub that, that gave up golf, right? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, you know, we, we know Wyndham. We live in Denver, right? So we all know Wyndham Clark, and it's easy. Most of the people that are at that Open, they probably didn't even know who the hell he was. So that's why uh, I think a lot of people were rooting for Ricky and Rory at the same time. The other part of me is like, hey, man, this guy's he's from America. He's an American. Come on, give the Americans some love here. Everybody's pulling for Rory. I get it, because Rory carried the cape for the uh, PGA Tour uh, during that whole live thing. So I get that, too. Uh, you know, Rory's a good dude. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely something. I think he he seems a little bit worn out by the whole thing in general. Yeah. Um, so what I didn't know and I found out after the tournament is uh, Stan Kroenke is a member of LACC. So I would yep. want to hear that. So did you uh, discuss with him at all? I mean, I don't know if you have any contact with him or not, but uh, how often does he play? Like, did you get anything from him? Like, what's his take on it? I had no idea he was a member. And I'm not sure if it's Stan or Josh. Josh I, Josh plays a lot. I talk golf with Josh all the time. Uh, he's a good player. Um, I've never discussed golf with Stan, to be honest with you. In fact, when I was there, my, my son and I were walking by, and there was a suite, the Cronky suite. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know they had a suite here. I was going to go check it out. But, you know, we just kept going. Uh, but I had no idea that he was a member there. Uh, boy, that that's an exclusive club, by the way. LACC is not an easy club to get into. Um, and they love their secrecy and their privacy over there. So I, I had no idea that Cronky that was a member. And, and, and I'm guessing that Josh plays most of the golf there. Okay. Well, I was going to ask if you could ask Stan, maybe if he's the one who bought up all the, uh, the spectator tickets. <laughs> so is that, is that a real, is that real what they did? They, I think about eight or 9,000 were bought up by members of the golf course. Now, why did they do that? What's the, what, what, just to open it up a little more to basically keep people off the ground. Like they didn't want it crowded. Why? Isn't that the allure of the U S open though? Isn't that part of the U.S. Open? Yeah, <laughs> that's, and that's, that's and that's well, the the crazy thing is you heard it from you know you hear we heard from Brooks Kepka. I don't like this course, and I'm a big Brooks fan, but you kind of expect that from him. Yeah. But there was guys like Matt Fitzpatrick and Victor Hovland that were even speaking out about stuff like that. Those are the guys that you're like when you when they talk, you kind of listen. You know, you, Brooks yeah. can say whatever, and he's kind of a hothead. But overall, you know, from being there, you know. I, and it's your first U.S. Open, so you don't really know as far as being there a different atmosphere. But did it feel kind of kind of blah for you at all with with the lack of spectators? Well, I've I've seen better golf courses. I I, I really have. I mean, for as private and secret as LACC is, first of all, I would have shot about a one seventy on that course in that set. That's number one. But um, I didn't think it was that big a deal. I was like, eh, it's all right. It's a nice course. But I've seen better. 
I really have. I've seen better courses in L.A. I like Riviera's setup a lot better than LACC, but uh, uh, that, that short par three, 15, we sat there and watched a few shots. Guys, I can't tell you how skinny that green is, you know, because it's like the letter L. It does that shape. And it's not, it, I'm thinking to myself, you're 130 yards back. I don't know if I'd ever be able to hit that green. It's so skinny. It's skinnier than it looks on television. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I wouldn't necessarily compare it directly, but you've played car on a golf club, correct? Sure. Do you remember the 14th hole with that that green that's got the bunker like right in the middle yes. of it? It's that yes. short par four. Yeah. That that green just like took me directly to that. And I honestly think 15 was the best hole on that golf course. Like I'm a big short par three guy um, just because I think it, it opens up so much of you know, when made bogey there on Sunday and he still won, but you know, guys can make bogey from 130 yards. It doesn't, you don't have to make a par three, 290 yards to make it hard. You got to really dial in your short game on that hole. And it was tough to access that pin because you had to hit a, a little cut, but if you overcut it and you're short, you're screwed. If you pull it, you're screwed. Yeah. So it's just a little baby cut. It was right behind the L and they put a lot of flags, like on number 12 where we sat for a while. You can't see this on television, guys, but that flag is seven paces in front of that heather that if you are short by an inch, you are screwed. These guys are throwing the ball up so high that they're able to grift. I mean, I can't tell you the talent I saw. And it's the high ball hitters who really had a huge advantage. That's why Rory made a, made a push at the end because he hit the ball so damn high. And he had access to those pins. Yeah, those greens, uh, some of the guys were saying those were like the best greens they've played in years. And I think yeah. that's what, you know, saved the course from being a, a you know, 20 under U.S. Open. Because hitting the ball wasn't, you know, I'm sitting here on my, uh, my chair in my kitchen counter saying hitting the ball there wasn't that difficult. But overall, compared to normal U.S. Opens, you know, guys were hitting driver a ton and it was fairly open. But they said the greens were just the most incredible thing they'd seen. Well, what amazed me most is how these guys could recover from <clears throat> bad shots. Like... Again, they hit the stuff into the scrub, and I'd be sitting there going, okay, well, you can't hit that. Take an unplayable. Not only are they are hitting it, they're advancing it and making good shots out of it. Um, so I, I'm amazed. Every time I see pros up close, I'm, I'm just so amazed at how within themselves they are when they hit the ball. Yeah, I think we saw at least – three to four complete whiffs in this u.s open Wyndham had one rory had one like guys just go straight under the ball and it goes nowhere it was, it's easy when, to do because it's that weird grass that's really thin and you could see the roots of the grass right so it's not like um do you remember when they grew the rough at cherry hills during the bmw and you would drop a ball and to get it out of there you'd have to be a freaking heavyweight champion i mean you'd have to really hit it hard the ball doesn't go – the ball's different with this light grass. You can hit through it. It's just really weird how it feels off the club. I noticed that. It's a lot different. Yeah, yeah the it, Bermuda – it was the first year since 05 that they've played a U.S. Open on Bermuda grass, which is kind of insane, like almost 20-year period since that's that weird. playing yeah, surface. That's really weird. Yeah, and, and Bermuda, I feel like, is not that common of a playing surface out in L.A., <clears throat> um, but they – Obviously, with that membership, they can pretty much... They can do whatever they want. Yeah, they can, they've can. they got the kind of uh, financial backing to pretty much do whatever they want. Um, so speaking of professional golf tournaments, uh, this 
kind of segues a little bit into Castle Pines next year, uh, at least for Colorado fans, because just in general, I mean, Colorado is not necessarily recognized for their golfers or their golf courses. I mean, you've got Cherry Hills that's considered too short. Anything is basically considered too short um, out here. So I, I feel like the national media really doesn't care to recognize Colorado golf, but do you, do you feel like Wyndham is maybe puts uh, Colorado on the map a little bit? And, and do you think Castle Pines will? Because I mean, when, when was the last year they had that tournament at Castle Pines? 08? God, man, the, the, the international has been gone for a long time. I can't remember the last year, but I've had the privilege and fortune to play Castle Pines a few times. I played it about a month ago and I want you guys to know something. When the pros get there, they're going to see a Castle Pines that looks, well, it looks like the old one, but there are some changes that you're going to go, wow. It's up to about 8,200 yards for the pros where they have these tee boxes. So they're going to play it at 82. And they've changed so many different holes and the setups of some of these holes that you're going to go, hey, what happened to that? Or where, where is this? So they've done a lot of finagling over there to prepare for this BMW next year. And I think it's going to be on. It's going to be a great course for the pros. They think they're going to come here and muscle it. Uh, think again. Uh, Castle Pines did a lot of fixing here and there to lengthen that course. And I think it's going to prove very, very tough for them. Yeah, I'm just excited to have golf, professional golf, uh, above the Corn Ferry Tour level and have some of the best players in the world here. Um, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you just a little bit on, uh, so I was actually listening to your radio show when the live news broke driving home. And then I ended up, we ended up doing a live show right after that. Um, but I heard it from you got you and Moj first, what, uh, what were your initial thoughts? And then how has that changed your thoughts now on kind of seems to have, you know, cooled down a little bit. You have the 24 hour cool off period, you know, whatever they give high school parents after you have a bad game. But I, I think it's, it's a lot less of a of a combined deal now and, and not as much of a, a big issue. Well, I had two thoughts. First of all, I couldn't believe it happened. I was like, are you kidding me? I never thought it would happen. I thought these, these two tours would go to war for a while and there's no way that they would cave to the money, but it just proves to me again, money buys everything, including golf. The other thing that came to mind is all those people. And, and, and I don't know how many people out there did this, who continue to criticize those players um, morally, not because they took the money, because I would have taken the money and run, but for their moral like ineptitude for, for supporting the Saudi government and it's how it's dirty money and blood money. And, and I always, I defended that aspect of saying, you know, everything's blood money when you trace it. I mean, a bunch of sponsors of the PGA Tour, they're blood money. Yeah. I mean, blood money comes from everywhere. If you if you follow the money, eventually it gets to blood. I mean, give me a break, right? So that morality thing really bothered me. And now you look back at it, the dudes who jumped, they got to be laughing their asses off because they made money and they're going to get to play in all the tournaments that they wanted to play before. So, hey, man, good for them. I can't believe that the PGA relented. But at the end of the day, you flex that pocketbook, and the pocketbook always wins. You may not like it. You may think it's evil. You may hate capitalism, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, 
money wins. 1000%. And it, I think you actually have a much better perspective than, than most people, because uh, at the end of the day, you know, you can't, you can't build a home on morals, unfortunately. Uh, So overall, I mean, we went to a live event this, this like three, four weeks ago, thought it was pretty cool. Um, Would you, the television product is awful. The television product is one of the worst things I've ever seen. (laughs) Now the tournaments themselves, I've never been, you guys have, but watching them on television, it looked like I was watching a NASCAR race. It was crazy weird. Yeah, I, I definitely think they have some ironing out to do with their broadcast. But would you would you be uh, open to attending a live event live and checking it out? Well, of course. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I was never the, the one thing I said the moment the live initiated their movement. I said this. I said, I'm not into the live, but I think it's going to be beneficial to the PGA because it's going to make the PGA do things that it was uncomfortable doing. And it's going to be better for the tour. Because competition is good. Fellas, in every walk of life, in the radio business, competition is good. You better compete. You better not get lazy or you get your ass handed to you. In the newspaper business, competition is good. Any business, competitive balance is necessary. And in the golf business, the live tour made the PGA do things they were uncomfortable doing for the benefit of the game, I thought. Completely agree. Um... It was actually amazing though. We had quite a few people reach out and be like, why are you good? Why are you there? Why are you like tweeting for it? It was kind of like you with like nuggets fans. You're like, what are you talking about? Like what it's, it's professional golf. Like why yeah. wouldn't we want to go some of the most talented players in the world? So uh, yeah, it, it's definitely, it's one of those things where it's almost like people will stop being your friend if you like, it's like the stupidest shit I've ever heard. You know, I, I stopped worrying about a lot of that. Um, at the end of the day, y- you got to believe in yourself and who you are. And and if someone thinks you're someone different, you're not going to change their minds. Not in this day and age. There's too many. There's too much chatter, right? There's too much chatter. I I always try and and and, and give my side of the story. But if someone doesn't want to believe it, and you you think by you guys going to a live tour event that you're suddenly you're, you're, you're pro killing people. I mean, that, that's, it's not who you are. You're watching golf and somehow, some way this golf tournament emerged and somehow, some way the live golf won the tug of war. They won. There's no other way to look at it. PGA didn't win the, the live tour, the live guys won. And now golf, I think at the end of the day, you're going to have, you know, who loses in this, to be honest, who loses are those peripheral players who aren't really stars, who are trying to just hang on because they're going to compete with the bigger pool of players now, and that's going to be tough for them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, those guys that uh, vaulted themselves up to the top, you know, top 75 or that chance yeah. to get in the playoffs in the second round of the, the PGA Tour playoffs that may have to compete against, you know, a better field of players. But it is funny because going to that live event, there was – you know, there's the Cam Smiths and the Dustin Johnsons and the guys that you've seen win a ton of majors. And then you've got guys that no joke look like yeah. some of the guys we saw hit shots. I was like, dude, this guy wouldn't make this guy wouldn't make a dollar in a whole season playing every PGA Tour event. That's sure. how bad they were. But, yeah. you know, they, they took the jump. So uh, one live PGA Tour kind of style question for you. Are you pro shorts in golf on the 100%, PGA Tour? 100% pro shorts. Now, I'm also a traditionalist. I'm a traditionalist in some sense, 
there are a couple of things that I like to see maintained and other things that I don't. But you're playing outside, and when they play in Memphis in the middle of the summer and it's 100,000 degrees and there's 800% humidity, and these guys are they're sweating through their their shirts and their ass. You know, I remember watching Joey Sindelar when I worked the International. I was a spotter, and I followed Joey Sindelar, and it was a hot day in Denver, and he had ass sweat. He had swamp ass. And I said to myself, this is disgusting. This guy probably smells like crap right now. Let him wear shorts. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't mind the whole shorts thing, um, but th there's other things I don't like. I, I, you know, the whole logo, it looks a little cheap. Everybody have a logo, and there's a lot of stuff like that that I didn't get into. But shorts, I mean, come on, man. This, this isn't 1940 where you go to a sporting event at Old Fenway Park and everybody's wearing a fedora, see, and, and, and a tie and a trench coat. I mean, I mean, with times have changed. 100%. I mean... I assume you're on ar around the same wavelength with music on the golf course then? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I have no problem with music. Uh, I do have a problem with people that don't respect when you're about to hit and the music is right in your face. Maybe it's just give me a little breathing room, but I have no problem with music. It's just, you know, it's I, I, young people. Um, I love playing golf with people a lot younger than me. In fact, that's all I play golf with. I usually play with people a lot younger because I listen to their kind of music and I love listening to music that makes me loose. Um, so that that's part of my game. Now I can go without it too. You can adapt and go to places without it, but I can tell you this, man, if you guys been to Augusta, you've been at the masters. No, okay. no, I tried, I tried to swing it this year and just couldn't. Okay. Not do so it. that, that is the polar opposite of the live tour, right? The polar opposite, but I love it. I love the masters as much as I love the Phoenix Open, which I attended this year, 16 at the Open, that crazy crowd throwing brewskis, just absolute chaos and insanity, drunkardness everywhere, people throwing up, it's craziness. I love both in their own right. They're like two different kids. One's a sloppy freaking drunk, and the other one's a button-up accountant, but I love them both for their own reasons. Yeah, and I think that's what too many people got into is there's only one way to have golf, and there's not. And and the people that think that there's only one way to have golf are the ones that are going to either they're going to hate it no matter what. They're going to be yelling at clouds no matter what. There's two yeah. ways, you know, golf can be played in in multiple different ways, and it can be fun, it can be serious, and it can be both at the same time. I mean, yeah. playing with you and Moj, like you guys are, you guys can play serious golf, but you have a good time the entire time you're doing it. Well, we have potty mouths too, and we, we, we curse a lot. But you also have to adapt, right? The beauty of golf is you adapt with whom you, who you play with. Like, I play with some uppity people as well, and I won't say some of the things I've said <laughs> when I play with Mosher. Time and place, do, right? <laughs> yeah, I won't do some of the things I do. And you play a different style, and you, you act a different way. And people may say, oh, well, that's fake. No, it's not fake. You're just adapting to the people around you. We all need to adapt to people around us. I, you know, I act differently in front of my mother than I, I act in front of my friends. So you adapt. It's not that hard. Yeah, so much we, like the Nuggets plane ride, uh, that first odd cast, I heard some things yeah. out of you and Moja's mouth that I had never heard in my life before and, and maybe never hear again. And still, to this day, I, I, if I think about it, it just I chuckle. Yeah, well... I wonder how much of that crap made the airwaves. That's so I, I forgot that that was being broadcast at the time. So <laughs> we were off the live at that yeah, point. We were, okay, we, we were not live. Um, Vic, I got one more question for you on the topic of music. If you had to pick 
yourself a walk-up song right now, go into the first tee. Um, give us, give us your walk-up song. Is it Lil Baby? Like, I know that's what the Nuggets are on. Yeah. What is your vibe right now? God, I like so many different versions. Um, I like Enter the Sandman. I like what's that song? Dun 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 dun. What is yeah. that song? Uh, Spencer. Uh, they played it in Miami. I love it. That gets me going. I like DC Thunderstruck. I like anything that just like gets you going, right? Those are good tunes, man. Hell yeah. Is that Seven Nation Army, Spencer? Oh yeah, it is. I think it's White Stripes by Seven Nation Army or vi- or vice versa. How do yeah. you like ask Siri that stuff? Let me see. <laughs> I don't know. You ever heard say, of Say hey say hey Siri play uh Seven Nation Army. Hey Siri. Play dun 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 dun. <laughs> oh, look, look. If she Did gets she that, I'm gonna fuck it. I'm gonna die. I don't know what the hell this is. <laughs> First, this it is gave me Mario Speedwagon. <laughs> a little R and B for you. Hold on a second. I got to find the song now. Now you guys got me going. Seven Nation what? Army. Army. Seven Nation Army. Okay, hold on a second. How do I not know this song? They play it so often. Is it called the White Stripes? Yep. Yeah, this is badass. What if you could do SEO smart? Yeah, this is good. You make this my walk-up song, dude. In fact, I want this at my funeral. Tell my family. (laughs) Seriously, when I die and they put the dirt on, I want this played in the background. And I want everybody going, (laughs) bury me with this. Hell yeah. That is Yeah, this is... This Very is the nice. one. <laughs> Hell of a jam. Well, we will make sure to tell your family that. Glad you're not retiring. We're not burying you anytime soon. Uh, we still want to listen to you. I am going to beat the shit out of you, though, on the golf course later this year. I, I can't wait for that. It's going to be well, great. I'm cheat my ass off when we play. Just expect that. So, I wouldn't expect anything less from you or Moj, definitely. Yep. Boys, you guys are the best. You're, you're real. I love your stories. I love what you do anytime, man. For you guys, I'll do anything. So thank you, boys. Vic, you're the, you're the man. man. Mitch, thank appreciate you. For, uh, for leaving in New Jersey, man. You must be in love, bro. <laughs> hey, love makes you do crazy shit, right? Hey, just one word of Mosier's been in love a few times too. Remember. <laughs> Comparing me to Mosier's at uh disparaging to my yeah. name. So all right, boys. Take all care, right. man. Thanks, thanks for having thanks, me. Thanks, Vic. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. I need to turn this crap off.